The News on CJOB with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham. Richard and Julie with you this Monday. Ten minutes now with one of our favorite scientists. And he's one of our favorite scientists because he doesn't talk to us like a scientist. Dr. David Barber is with the University of Manitoba. He is Canada Research Chair, Scientific Director at the Center for Earth Observation Science. He's Associate Dean in the Faculty of Environment, Earth and Resources, but we just call him Dave. Hey, Dave, how are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad, Richard. Nice to talk to you. Nice to speak with you. We've been focusing on all our shows today about the impact of climate change. We certainly have seen the heat wave over the last little while. And you've been studying the ice, its impact, polar bears. How long have you been studying the the impact of, of our changing society? Well, I started my career in the Arctic in 1981. So what's that, about three years ago or so? Four <laughs> years ago? Something like that. When yeah. you compare 1981 to 2020, the last time you've been up there, Give us a little bit of the difference that you've seen over those years. Well, what was interesting for me is that um, the first 10 years of my career, sort of the decade of the 80s, if you will, I didn't really see any change going on in the Arctic at all. And that was a bit of a surprise because at the time, our you know the, the models that we were using at the time were suggesting we would see the first and strongest signs of a warming global climate in the Arctic. And so I kind of fully expected to be uh, seeing changes in the 1980s, but in fact, I didn't. It was just sort of natural variability. And so I kind of thought, well, maybe we've got this wrong and maybe, you know, things aren't uh, sort of happening in the direction we thought. And then the decade of the 90s came along and I could start to see a, a change starting to happen then. And then the 2000s came and it was like a really dramatic change starting to kick in. And then the 2010s have been... Uh, really just remarkable, the speed at which uh, things are changing. So, you know, we the early days, we, we things didn't happen as quickly as we thought, but now things are speeding up faster than we thought at that time as well. So it's not, it's not a good thing when over the course of one person's career that you go from 85% of the Arctic being covered by very thick multi-year sea ice to now less than 12% of it is covered by this thick multi-year sea ice. I think a lot of us don't think too much about ice. We maybe go to the fridge and, and get ice from the ice maker, but we've also had a story about the ice in the in the Italian Alps turning pink because of a type of algae that is as a result of, of climate change. So is ice really that different depending on where you are? Well, yeah, ice is a really interesting thing, and that's why people like me study it. It's, you know, we have this wonderful in our society where we decide we're going to have universities and we pay people like me to study very specific things, you know, whether it's ice or neutrinos or how the sun works or, you know, various social systems. And, you know, for a guy like me that's been sort of embedded in ice for, I guess, 40 years now, ice is an incredibly complex thing. So you can have, you know, glaciers that are the result of snow falling on land and then building up over time. And, uh, you know, the Greenland ice sheet is like that and the glaciers in in the Alps and uh, in BC and the Rockies and up in the Arctic. And then you can have ice that forms on lakes and rivers. And then, of course, there's ice that forms over top of the ocean, which is the sea ice side of things. And all of them are responding to a change in climate. And there's a fundamental reason for that. And that is when you get to zero, you change from ice to water. 
And so it takes a very small temperature difference, really, to make a very dramatic change in what we call an ice scape. So you think of a landscape, people talk about landscapes all the time. Well, in the science world, we also talk about ice scapes. And those ice scapes are very sensitive to a small change of temperature just from a little bit below zero to a little bit above zero. And they make a huge difference if you're in solid phase or liquid phase of that material. And it's different in different places and different things are happening at different speeds. But the unfortunate thing is the entire cryosphere, that's what we call this frozen sphere of ours on the Earth, the the entire cryosphere is changing on the planet and has been doing so for at least 20 years. And it's speeding up. It's happening faster and faster as we go forward into the future. David Barber is the University of Manitoba scientist and ice expert, if you will. So as we look ahead, is is this at the point in your career where you feel you need to um, sound an alarm bell with what is happening in terms of the ice and, and our polar bears and that very uh, delicate balance that happens right here in our own province? Well, you know, to be honest, I've been vocal about this for probably 20 years now. And... Uh, I meet a lot of people who say, geez, I heard you give a talk uh, 15 years ago when you were saying that this was all going to happen. I was going to speed up, and it has happened. And I go, yeah, don't blame me. I was just <laughs> just advanced, you know, giving advanced warning about the fact that this is actually happening. And, you know, colleagues of mine that work all around the planet are also similarly involved with the public. You know, we take it as our responsibility as public servants, really. I mean, the province of Manitoba, the taxpayers of Manitoba pay my salary, and they they deserve to understand what is going on with their climate system because ultimately it's, you know, the public that has to deal with it. We have to adapt to this reality of climate change just as we're adapting to this COVID situation right now. And it's it's interesting to see the parallels that uh, happen when you think about the pandemic relative to what we see happening in the future with climate change and how are we going to adapt to those kind of pressures on our system we're getting a little bit of an early look at how our society is or is not able to adapt. Ironically, COVID has really settled the environment down somewhat. We're driving and parking it, and with industry uh, idle for some time, we saw that reduction, not something a lot of us want to go back to. So I think we're at the point now, Professor Barber, we know the problem but how do we impose a, a solution? And again, we also know the solution, but not many of us really want to change our behavior. And then we think, well, you know, we're in Manitoba. We don't contribute a whole lot to it. It's other nations that have to do their part, not necessarily us. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that argument's been around for a long time, right? It, it's the other person's problem. Uh, because we're so small, we shouldn't have to bear the brunt of this. But I prefer to take the attitude that we're you know, part of the first world, if you will. We're a very wealthy and uh, well-developed nation. And we're, you know, we're a nation that believes in the the future of our social system. And, uh, you know, you look at, I look even with my own kids at at how things in the States are going with COVID and how things are going in Canada with COVID. And to me, a lot of it has to do with the fact that we take responsibility very seriously for others that live in our society. We pay attention to them. And so when I think ahead about the future, I think of my grandchildren and what impact they're going to have. And I want to do something about that today. And I think that's what Canadians are all about. We help each other. 
And so the idea that, you know, we see very clearly now that our climate is changing and it is changing very quickly. We have to do something about it for our own generation, but also for the generations in front of us. And I think the one thing that's coming out of COVID is that it's showing us that we do have a significant amount of capacity to adapt and to adjust. But we have to get that will in front of us. We have to all say we're going to do it. If we don't all say we're going to do it, it's not going to happen. And uh, if anything, I'm, I'm, I think I'm a, a little bit, uh, I'm happy to see that Canada is doing so well with its COVID situation because it gives me hope that we'll be able to handle the current and near future climate situation as well. But that said, I'm equally troubled by difficulties some other countries are having in dealing with these things, where they're really just focused on what's right in front of them right now, instead of thinking about society in a larger context and the people that are going to come after us. So there is significant challenges out there, and there's no no single bullet that's going to solve this problem. It's, it's a societal shift that is required. So assuming society makes that shift, are we just going to stabilize where we are at in terms of climate change or are we able to roll back the clock no that's the unfortunate part about it is you know greenhouse gases when we put them into the atmosphere they have residence times on the order of hundreds of years so what is affecting us right now was liberated into the atmosphere you know 50 years 100 years ago and it's affecting us now and there's no way we can just sort of change on a dime it's not like some people that are listening will remember the Montreal Protocol where we dealt with the ozone depletion problem and we found that there were certain chemicals that we were using in our building systems, especially in refrigerants and stuff, and we could just cut off that at the industrial source. But those things had very short residence in the atmosphere. So all the CO2 we're putting up there right now will be locked in and there for a long, very long period to come. Anything we do with climate change is about reducing the impacts in the future. And the way I like to explain it to people is you can just imagine you're looking at a graph of temperature increase that goes ahead for 100 years. And one of those slopes is very steep and it's rising very quickly. And the other one is um, a shallower curve that is increasing much more slowly. And if you look at where those two curves start, which is right today, the difference between them is very close. But if you go 10 years down the line or 20 years down the line or 30 years down the line, the distance gets larger and larger and larger. And so it's the decisions we make today that will make a very big difference 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. And so the time to be adapting to climate change is now. And it's actually been over the last 20 years, not just now. And we have not been doing a very good job of it up until this pandemic uh, hit. And then all of a sudden there was this very dramatic shift because our industrial complex basically went into a a holding pattern and all of our reliance on hydrocarbon fuels uh, was very clearly evident that we're reducing them uh, in terms of putting them into the atmosphere. But we're starting to go back to that as our economies start to develop again and start to push forward. And this is really the time that we need to say, okay, We know we need energy for our economies, but we can also put more emphasis and effort into alternative energies and start to use solar and wind and, you know, the different kinds of energies that are not so polluting in nature. Professor Barber, appreciate the conversation. Thanks so very much. We'll chat again. You bet. Nice talking to you guys. Bye-bye.
David Barber from the University of Manitoba. He is Canada Research Chair and Scientific Director in the Centre for Earth Observation Science at the University of Manitoba. The News on CJOB with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham.